and I was uh, speaking with him, and he was embarrassed because this minister friend of mine had found on a Facebook page, or a few Facebook pages, a picture from, of himself from an earlier time in his life where he was making an obscene gesture. And uh, he was embarrassed because this was damaging the credibility of his ministry, and he was trying to get this person who was on the Facebook page to take it down. Uh, and <laughs> I, I am laughing because it wasn't just, he, he wasn't just making the obscene gesture with one hand, he was making the obscene gesture with both hands. And so he was trying to track this down, where this was on the internet, to get it to, to be taken down. Um, and, you know, you can do that, but it's, it's not really going to go away, a picture like that. It's not going to be, dis it's not going to disappear because it's there somewhere in the clouds, in the cloud, right? And there are websites, you know, that uh, actually track they take snapshots of the entire world web at a certain point. So if it was up there, it exists. It still exists on there. So you can get, try to get people to take it down, but it, is, it still exists there recorded, uh, that embarrassing picture. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really happy that our children are with us today. Uh, children, glad that you're here. Try to pay attention to me. I know sometimes I'm using words that you know, seems strange or foreign to you or old-fashioned. You, you don't know what they mean. Like you hear this word Facebook and you're scratching your head you're like, Facebook, what is that? Well, uh, you're saying, is it, is it like from prehistoric times? Yes, it is. Um, but you can understand it. Facebook, you know, it's just like TikTok, only slower. And with a little less dancing. So you can understand. Just try to, I'll try to explain words like that that are difficult to... As, what, what, we're, what we're talking about today is how everything gets recorded, you know, and you should know that for you, not just my friend who is embarrassed, but for you, your life is getting recorded now, right? And not just when you go to China for the Olympics, right? All sorts of monitors are recording what's going on in your life and what you're doing, where you're going and what you're buying, and, and all sorts of, of cameras are out there. And this was highlighted, wasn't it, um, by the Edward Snowden incident. Um, it turns out that other entities besides China are actually recording everything you're doing. And this is, this is something we have to come to terms with, right? Your whole life is being recorded. But you know something? The Bible told us this a long, long time ago. Please stand with me as Autumn is going to read from the last part of chapter 20 of the book of Revelation. She's going to read a couple of verses before that because it makes mention of what that passage then discusses. This is a passage about the final judgment. She's going to be reading in chapter 20, the end of chapter 20 to the first, I think we'll do the first two verses of the next chapter. So let's listen. Revelation 17, 8. And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel to see the beast. Chapter 13, 8. And all who dwell on earth will worship the beast, everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who was slain. And now chapter 20, beginning in verse 10. And the devil had deceived them, who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were 
and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you. Okay, a description here of the final judgment, the end, finally getting to the end of all things. And we have a picture here of the way it's going to play out. And what happens in verse 12? The books are opened. And all these books, there are so many of them, what do they have in them? Well, what was written in them, what everyone had done. And it's what everyone had done. You notice how the passage emphasizes that. Verse 12, the great and the small. Verse 13, the sea and the death and Hades, they all gave up their dead. That is, doesn't matter where you are. doesn't matter where you ended up. It's all, you're all going to rise. Each one of them, it says, are going to be judged by everything that's, that they have done. Everything's recorded. Um, and, you know, I've been doing this as I've been going along, right? I've been, I've been pointing out where John, the author, is confirming or contradicting the apocalyptic genre works of the time. So there are different works, Jewish apocalyptic works, that are, that are current at this time. And there, John, is uh, at a certain point, he says things that are in those books as well. And this is one of them. You can read about these, these books that get opened that have everything that everyone did and, and the great judgment. They're in these other books. You can read about it in the book of Enoch, for example. Not a book in the Bible, but an apocalyptic uh, work at the time. You can read about it in another book called the Fourth Ezra. Again, not in the Bible. And actually, you can also read about it in the Bible. In the book of Daniel, it talks about these books that are opened. Everything that's, that people have done is recorded there and they're judged. Every hair on your head is the way that Jesus put it. Not only every hair on your head, though, but the way you've responded to every wisp of a summer breeze through those hairs. It's taken down. And the internet that we're concerned about, recording everything that we're doing, it's nothing compared to the storage on the servers of heaven. The capacity is vast. It's hard to imagine. The heavenly servers, you know, they deal with terabytes like pennies. That's how vast it is, almost unimaginable. Compared to the divine technology that is taking things down, the heavenly technology that's doing that, the internet's more like a, a 
black and white, hand-cranked zupraxiscope in comparison to that technology. I mean, it is just beyond uh, what we can imagine. That's how it's getting all of this. And that sin that we committed last week, that's down. And it can't be erased. In fact, every picture that you've ever looked at in Assassin's Creed molecular memory style is recorded down in great detail. And every syllable you've ever uttered, even in secret, every moral movement of every muscle of your body is recorded. Your deeds in HD, in minute detail, every passing thought that you've ever had from the moment your tiny heart folded over and began to beat to the moment when eyes reach up and pull down your eyelids and a sheet is pulled over your face, every motive of the heart, even ones that you've never admitted to anyone, maybe never admitted to yourself because they're just too dark to face. It is all taken down on the hard disk of heaven, all recorded. Now, children, you're with us, and you're, and you're saying, what is he talking about here? What I'm talking about is that God is looking at what you're doing, even when there's no one else around. So even when you're in the kitchen and mommy and daddy aren't there and you're in the kitchen with a cookie jar, God is recording what's going on. He's seeing what's happening. He's seeing what you do, what you decide to do there with a cookie jar. That's what's being said here. Nothing escapes the monitors. Nothing of it can you take back. Nothing of it can you erase. Nothing of it can you redact. It's all there. And it will all be played back before the great white throne, before the seat of holiness in surround sound on IMAX. That's verses 12 and 13. So we will all face what we've done. Can you imagine how that will feel? Can you even, can you even imagine what that will be for you? Like, I can imagine what it would be like because I've been to parent-teacher conferences. Now, I don't know if your parents, you, you've had this experience, but you go in and parent-teacher conferences and you sit in this, these little desks because that's all there is to sit. And across the desk is a big desk and the teacher is there and she holds all the power over you. And she, a lot of times there's bad news. If there's bad news, there's nothing you can do about it. You sit in your little desk condemned. And, and at that moment, the parent-teacher conference, you know, let me just tell you, it really doesn't matter all that you've accomplished in your life. I mean, you might be very, very well accomplished. You might have done a lot of things in your life. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much money you make, you know. You could be making twice as much money as the, per, as the person on the other side of the desk. It doesn't matter. She holds all the power over you, and the condemnation comes upon you. That's, that's, that's like this <laughs> great white throne judgment. That's just what it's like. Everything will be played back, and there's no place to hide in the final judgment. 
By the way, those of you who are considering schooling options for your children, this is the principal reason to homeschool. It's to avoid parent-teacher conferences. That's the main reason you want to homeschool, if you do. But that's what it's like. We're naked before the TV cameras, okay? And nothing of it is, uh, is unhidden. And little by little, with each new revelation, we are undone. That is why the passage flows so easily from verse 13 to verse 14. It's everybody getting judged in verse 13, flowing to condemnation and punishment in verse 14. Why? Because nobody passes. Nobody passes that judgment. When everything is recorded, nobody passes. And really, the Bible should end with verse 14, if it were just. Because that, that gives the final condemnation. It all goes from judgment into the lake of fire. You know, a great picture of this, if you think about like how to imagine all of humanity getting judged, a, a kind of premonition of this, a foreshadowing of this, happened in the, in the story of the great flood, which we have in Genesis 6 through 9, when all of humanity was judging. You know, they made a movie about this in, in 2014, called Noah. I don't know if you saw that with Russell Crowe. And I, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with that movie, Noah, because, you know, there, there are a number of things they got wrong where they didn't follow the story. They didn't follow the narrative of Genesis 6 through 9. And so there's certain key things they got wrong, but certain things they got right. And it's very effective. It's very powerful. I don't know. Did you see that? A very powerful movie in terms of giving you a sense of all of humanity deserving judgment, all of humanity experiencing judgment. And, and it all comes down, and it's, I mean, it's just, it's very impactful. And Russell Crowe is this Noah character. And one of the most moving moments of the film is when Noah, Russell Crowe, realizes that there's not that much difference, really, between those who are in the ark and those who are outside of the ark. It's a, it's a chilling moment because you think that, oh, well, the people that got in the ark, you know, they're the upright ones. They're the ones who deserve to be. They're the ones who should be in the ark while the other people are getting judged by the flood. But there's this one moment where Noah re comes to realize this and he realizes that they're all actually deserving of judgment. And it's chilling because he goes through the sin and he enumerates the sins of the family of these ones who are supposed to be upright. Even, even Noah's wife, played by the uh, still somber Jennifer Connelly, does a great job. And she's a magnificent character in the movie. In the movie, she's the picture of, of kindness and loyalty. She's just great. And he nails her with one sentence. With one sentence, he looks at her and he says, even you, because you would gladly put your children before God. And in one sentence, he actually enumerates, he actually delineates the, the idol of every mother. He says, or you would kill and steal to save your children. And so you, you get a sense of there, perfect timing, actually. Thank you, Eden. Good, good sound effects in the back. Perfect timing. Because this is, this is what we have, this judgment 
Everyone is judged, even Noah and his family, even Jennifer Connolly, even, dear friends, us, the children of Noah. That's what's in store. And that's where, as I say, the Bible should end. But there's one more verse in the chapter, isn't there? There's one more verse, verse 15. The second thing is opened. Because you notice two things get opened in verse 12. If you go back there and you have the scripture, sorry, we, didn't have, we weren't able to do a guide this morning, but if you, you're looking in your Bibles, you look at verse 12, chapter 20, you'll notice there are two things getting opened. This is very important to, for you to see. I want you to see this is not Sam's idea up here. What we're reading here is how it actually plays out. In verse 12, there are two things that are opened, aren't they? First, there are the books. It's vast repository of the things, of everything recorded about us that we've done, that we've thought. And then there's another book. You see that? The books are open, and then there's another book. It's not books. It's a book. That's not something big. It's something small. It's a very small directory. In fact, it's a, it's a tiny STD card. It's the thighs, size of your thumbnail. And in verse 15, we find out the purpose of this other book, the book of life. The thumb drive is labeled the Lamb's Book of Life. And all it has are names of people. So it's a text file. It's just a text file. That's why it's so small. None of this full-blown color, HD. It's just a list of names. And if your name is there, that makes the difference. That's the picture we get. And so here, by the way, since I'm, I'm saying this, this is where John is comfortable contradicting the Jewish apocalyptic literature of his time. Because in the other books that have an apocalypse and the end of the world, you have the books, and people get judged, and their works get burnt up, you know, and their souls get carted away. Not here. Here there's another. There's something else that happens. This other book is opened. You've got to look at verse 15 very closely. And this is, by the way, also what, what is agonizing to me about that movie Noah, that 2015 Noah, because this is what they miss. They miss the promise of the rainbow in that story. They miss the meaning of the ark in that movie. And what it is, is the book of life and the, and the essential, essential ingredient of what it means to escape the lake of fire and how you escape the lake of fire. And John, instead, here is tying up the themes. Again, I seem to be saying this every week, but he's tying up the themes of the Bible. And you can read about this book of life in other places in the Bible. It's not just here. You can look at it in Luke chapter 10, uh, Daniel 12, uh, Psalm 69, Philippians 4. I'll bring up this book of life, the Lamb's book of life. And what matters, even in, this, even in the book of Revelation, we saw this, right? When we, we heard that message from the church at Sardis, he brought up the book of life. Like everything in the book of Revelation, okay, the first time you hear about it is in the message to the churches. And that's when we brought up, we found, ah, what makes the difference between a true believer and a false believer, his name is in the book of life. So children, what I'm talking about here is that you sometimes, like all of us, do things that are bad. 
And because you do things that are bad, you do not deserve to be with God after life, after you die. But here we read, if your name is in the book of life, then you get to be with God forever after. And you get to be with your mommy and daddy as well. So this is the picture we have of a final judgment. See? First, everyone rises, all in heaven and earth, hell and Hades and, and the sea, wherever you are, everyone rises. And, you know, we included, um, we didn't include, uh, inc- he had in the guide the meditation there, this wonderful poem by Crowley. The way he puts it is, then shall the scattered atoms crowding come back to their ancient home. Everyone comes. Everyone is examined. Everyone fails. And then the Lamb's book of life is opened. And on that basis only, some escape the lake of fire. And we saw, as Autumn read at the beginning, these verses earlier in the book of Revelation, that the names that get written in that book were written there from the foundation of the world. This Revelation 17 says that. Revelation 13. The names that are written are written before the foundation of the world, which tells you that it's not the things that you do that save you because you haven't done them yet when the names are written down. It's not those things that give you an escape from the lake of fire. It's only if your name is in the book. Not what you've done. Not what you've thought. Not all the things that you've tried to do that are good. Not what do it. It's only if your name is in the book. We have a name for this. It's called grace. And children, that's, that's the reason one of your words in the word puzzle that you're doing is grace. Very important word to find. You say, well, what does that mean, grace? Grace means getting something that you did not deserve and not getting something that you did deserve. You deserve a spanking. Instead, you get a reward. You deserve a consequence, but instead, you get a dessert. That's grace. And that's what's being described here at the end. This is what our future is about. It's about a grace. So, whether you're an adult or a child, if you believe in grace, what should your attention be on? If you believe in grace, your attention should not be on during the week. Have I made enough phone calls? Have I been kind enough to people? Have I prayed enough? Have I done enough, talked to enough people about God? People who believe in grace don't spend their attention, their time fretting over those things. Instead, they spend their attention on one thing, rejoicing that their name is in the book of life. They're glad their name is in the book of life. And so, dear friends, wherever you are today, and Ryan welcomed you, and if you consider yourself a Christian or if you're not, this is the one question that should be concerning you. Is my name in the book? Is my name there? If you're interested in, in your forever and where your forever will be, 
you know, J. Todd Billings, who uh, is a great author who writes on death, death and the Christian life, uh, great insights. And, and Billings says that, he points out that people who receive a diagnosis of terminal cancer are far more religious than the general population. If you look at the kind of statistics, like who's religious, who's not, people who have received a, a diagnosis of terminal cancer, terminal illness, they're far more religious, far in a way more religious than the general population. Why? Why would that be? Because they've already gotten the bad news. If you've received a, a diagnosis of terminal illness, you're already at the end. You've already got the bad news. And you are much more inclined then to be focused on this very question. Where are you spiritually? So that's what it's about. Is your name in the book of life? As evidenced by whether you find you can believe in the lamb who was slain. Right? Chapter 13. That's whose book it is. The lamb who was slain. And whether your name is in the book of life is evidenced by, can you cast yourself upon this one, this lamb who was slain? Can you trust in his heroism? That's what it's about. So, I know, you know, could be a number of objections at this point, if I have time to, to address one of them. But if you have thoughts or objections or say, well, what about, you know, we have a, a group me uh, chat for that called Sermon Q&A, and we invite you to bring those questions to, those, to that place if you have them. Happy to engage them, happy to answer them, happy to hear your thoughts about it. But one thing that I think uh, might come up in people's mind is, you know, I've been reading my Bible, and that's good. If, we've, if you've been responding to our kind of push this year, the beginning of the year, say, let's make this year different. Let's get into the Bible. Let's make your engagement with the Bible something deeper than it has been in the past. And if you've been doing that, that's great. You start to read the Bible. And some, some of you may say, you know, I've been reading my Bible, and I hear, I come to church, I come to Ironworks Church, and I hear this message, oh, it's by grace, you know, it's through faith, you know, it's not by my works, it's not by the things that we've done. I'm not judged that way. But then I read my Bible, and there are some places that sure make it sound like I'm judged by my works. You can think of 2 Peter 1, you know, or or uh, 1 Peter, no, is it 1 Peter 2? 1 Peter 1. 2 Corinthians 5 is another one. We all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Matthew 16. There are places you read and you say, it sure sounds like I'm getting judged by my works there. Right? Even in this book, the beginning of the book and end of the book, right? Revelation chapter um, 2. God says, I will repay people according to their deeds. Right? And Jesus comes at the end, Revelation 22, the next chapter, the last chapter. He says, I'm coming soon to reward people according to their works. And so you say, what's going on? That sure sounds like I'm being judged by my works. Well, the Apostle Paul actually explains this. Is this... You think, well, is, there a way, is, there, is there a reconciliation of this here? And the Apostle Paul explains it. He explains it in 1 Corinthians 3. John does it really with imagery, but Paul does it logically. He says, you know, the final judgment is going to be like passing through a fire. And 
Some of your works are going to be burnt up. But there will be those that remain, and those you will be judged for to get a reward. He explains this. What God is going to be doing is judging your works if you are in the Lamb's Book of Life to see where you can get a reward because the other stuff is taken care of. So that's why you have passages in the book of Revelation, for example, that say things like this. Revelation chapter 14, quote, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Their deeds follow them. You see, their good deeds are being judged to see if they get a reward. Revelation 11, the elders say, Now the time has come for the dead to be judged for rewarding your servants. This is how you can understand those passages. God is now looking for something to reward you. And that brings us to the last verse, Revelation chapter 21, verse 2, that Autumn ended on that the people of God are then appearing like a bride adorned for her husband. This is what the church is like now. The church is like a bride coming adorned for her husband. Well, what what are the adornments of this bride of Christ? What is she wearing? Well, this very thing. God that goes back to the books, that vast repository of the heavenly server and with a fine-tooth comb he goes over every detail looking for some good for which you can be rewarded some detail and children this what i'm saying here is this if you're forgiven god is going to look for things to reward you for because all of us do those bad things, in final judgment, in Christ, those bad things are burnt up. And then God is looking for the times when you obeyed mommy and daddy. Those times when you came when mommy told you to come, Nettie. And those times especially when nobody saw, nobody was there with you in the cookie jar in the kitchen, and you did the right thing. God is looking for that, and, the, and, and he's looking for that to reward you with. And in fact, whether, whether you're an adult or children, it'll be the same way. God will be looking for times when you obeyed, when it was so hard, and nobody knew how hard it was for you to obey, and you still obeyed. The times when you didn't look at what you shouldn't look. The times when you even half wanted the truth and pursued it. The times when even with mixed motives, you acted selflessly. The mixed motives will be burnt up. but But the part that's good, the grains for me, the grains that remain there in the good motives, those will be credited to your account. For every time when you gave, when there really was nothing you could receive back. Every time you forgave and it almost killed you and you did not seek revenge, even in the words you used. Every time that you gave attention to the poor and to the disadvantaged when you didn't have to. Every time you opened yourself up to one in greater need than yourself 
Every time you, you looked at the world's foolishness and you stood against it and you went in the other direction. Believe me, nothing will escape his attention and you will receive adornment for these things that you cannot imagine. That is your future. That is your end. <clears throat> and that's why this book ends that way, you know? John brings up so many different themes, so many different motifs, right? He has a myriad of different issues that John brings up in his book. How do you think he would end it? How do you think you, you would end a book like this with so many things brought up? How would you do it? Well, I'll leave it to you to go and read the end, the very end of the book of Revelation, the end of chapter 22, the last word, the last thing that John leaves us with. It's a word of grace because that is our lives. The only thing that we can do, the only response we can make to this ridiculous system is to stand and to give him thanks and to come to his table. Please stand with me now and let's do that.